we are like a week away from the start of the 2020-22 NFL new league year, by the way. I just woke up from like a three-hour nap, so I'm incredibly tired. If I sound like I'm pissed off or mad today on the podcast, I promise you guys I'm not mad at all. I'm probably a bit mad at Joe for jumping into the Zoom thing like 10 minutes earlier than he was supposed to. Because I was on a phone call and I did type in the chat and I'm like, hey, like, just shut up, you know, because I'm on a phone call. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You know me, the host who stayed coach. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Coach. Follow my co-host Shan Stevenson and Joe Herf on Twitter at Shy Sports Sam and at Joseph Herf NFL. It's a fun fact that a former NFL scout who worked for a prominent podcast network once told me when you have the NFL in your Twitter handle, it means you know that you've quote unquote made it. We've got another fellow Bears. Bears podcaster joining us this evening. We had Duke Coughlin on last week. Great individual, great Bears talk. Go check that episode out. This week, we got Duke's new co-host, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him on Twitter at LucasPerfetti46. The 46 is probably for the vaunted 46 Bears defense that... In 2022, we're still talking about because in Chicago, you live like it's 1985. Make sure you have liked, commented, subscribed to the podcast. I will shut up with the introduction now. What's going on, Lucas? Um, nothing really, man. I'm actually getting pretty excited for the um, just for the upcoming start of the season. You know, just kind of a little bit of a background, I guess. Or I'm sure you guys have all covered this, but Eberflus. Being an unimpressive hire kind of made me. Uh, it leaves more room to be seen. So I, I, there, there, there leaves room for optimism more than a guy like Dan Quinn or uh, you know like Jim Caldwell, in my opinion. So waiting to see what, what's going to happen. I'm waiting to see how they're going to to go about this offseason in general. That's fair. I mean, it's it's going to be one of those off seasons. I don't think it's going to be very exciting as like a Bears fan. I, I think it's going to be a very mundane sort of who the heck is this guy at moments um but this is a big year i mean in terms of just starting to build what you hope is the new image of the chicago bears and and i definitely don't disagree with you on the points like maddie refluce certainly wasn't an exciting hire by any means and now we kind of get to see what he is going to do with ryan poles because i think at this point and i'm sure people agree with me on this i'm very much of the opinion like don't just tell me show me and i think free agency is the first step in that kind of okay what is this new team going to look like yep talk is cheap i'm excited to see free agency i'm excited to see what this team does um a lot of things that happen i agree i don't think it's gonna be exciting i think it's gonna be a lot of uh uh second wave free agents um not a whole lot of big splashes maybe one splash of like tackle or something but yeah let's see let's see how things go let's get right into the entire show guys i mean NFL scouting combine happens, and then you see the wide receivers too getting paid. And we're gonna re- we're recording this on Tuesday, March eighth, by the way, like we always do. There's a lot that went down. We're gonna break the whole thing down for you from A to Z, from start to finish. When you look at this wide receiver class, I mean, let's be honest. Going into Indianapolis, I know that a lot of Bears fans had their names on kind of guys like. Traylon Burks or a David Bell, Sky Moore from, I believe it's Central Michigan was another name that I had mentioned, Reggie Robeson Jr. from SMU. The big thing, though, I think that came out of the scouting combine was just David Well and Traylon Burks did not supposedly test well. It depends on what your definition of testing well is. Now, I still don't think Burks is going to be there for the Bears. I think that despite his kind of poor numbers that he posted, what's going to happen is some team is going to look at the film and say, yeah, listen, the measurables and the numbers that come out of the Indian 
Indianapolis scouting combine don't necessarily determine all this. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take a chance on Burks because his film is just that good. In terms of David Bell, I could certainly see him slipping to round two, but I don't think he's going to get past round two. Who I think he's going to be a surefire second round pick. So anyone that's pushing out a narrative about David Bell in round three, yeah, not going to happen because he's. And if he does slip to round three, he's not going to be there at 78th overall. Kind of switching over to the NFL here. I mean, we know Devontae Adams is getting the franchise tag. Mike Williams got, I believe, like $20 million a year. I think it was like a three year, $60 million extension. That's significant because there's a certain wide receiver who just got done playing for the Bears, played for them for four seasons, and Allen Robinson, who basically wants $20 million a year too. And I think when we go back and look at the last two seasons of the Ryan Pace era, the big question was, hey, is Allen Robinson going to get an extension? And everybody kind of looked at Allen Robinson as signing that three-year deal worth about $42 million in 2018. You know, A-Rob was making whatever, 13, 14 million on that deal. And he was vastly underpaid. He was vastly underpaid at the time because he was coming off an ACL injury. But he was also so vastly underpaid just in the context of the Bears, knowing that for basically three of the four years he was here in Chicago, he was the wide receiver and the only productive one on the offensive side of the ball. Because, again, David Montgomery lost a lot of production because the Bears' offensive line stinks, which we will get to in just a moment. But anyways, the point I'm making more so is that the Mike Williams deal now sets the stage for Allen Robinson to get that $20 million a year. Because I think when you look at Williams and Robinson, I would put them in the same tier as 1B wide receivers. And I always love Mike Williams coming out of Clemson. But I think Robinson, because of his experience, and he's proven, hey, I can produce with bad quarterback play, that I deserve certainly $20 million plus a year. We're going to hand it off to Lucas here. What are you making of this wide receiver group, man? Um. So here's my... Mm, my reservation about talking about a ton of wide receivers going off the board quickly. Um, I did a, you know, an article a few years back and just kind of compiled some numbers and just to look at the average from 2010 to 2020, the average amount of wide receivers taken in the top 50 picks, which bears have 39 are 5.5. Okay. Now you're like 2019 going to be spiked because of the talent within the draft. So you had seven go, it's going to vary. Right. But I think this wide receiver class in general is missing that top end Jamar chase, even that Sammy Watkins is a prospect or that Mike Williams is, a, or I'm sorry, Mark, Mike Evans is a prospect. They're missing that true, like, Hey, this is a top five talent in the draft at this specific position. So I think that's going to kind of force some wide receivers down the board a little bit. Um, I think we might be surprised about it, but I think the quarterback situation as well, being a weak quarterback class kind of comes into play, but you're making up for it a little bit with tackles. You're making up for it a little bit with, um, with cornerbacks as well. So I think we're going to see a, a bit of a different trend in this draft um, overall. I mean, ideally I would like to trade down and still pick up one of these receivers, but Personally, I just feel like, you know, we're talking about guys like Burks and we're talking about guys like David Bell, possibly. But do they really do it for you at 39? Because to me, I feel like you're going to have one of the top DTs or possibly the number one um, center, uh, you know, number one, number two center or interior alignment position falling to that 39 and even possibly being able to trade back and grab there. So I don't find a lot of value for where the bears are picking with wide receivers, unless we see some form of a slide. Now, in terms of wide receiver money, um, 
Mike Williams, in my opinion, is worth it. I think he adds a little bit more as a jump ball player than A-Rob, but again, very similar type of production. And I agree that they're both 1B receivers. If I'm going to take my personal feelings out of Allen Robinson, I do think the Bears took a gamble on him and they gave him a good amount of money coming off that ACL tear. He was a top five paid wide receiver when he got his contract. So that becomes severely outdated quickly, especially when it comes to his production and how every single offensive possession was white knuckling. And like, he was the only one, only bright spot on the offense. So I do think bears fans kind of had this huge value for him where it was, you have to extend a Rob. And now it's like, we saw him take a kind of a dog year. And now it's like, we got to get rid of him. So at the right number, I would be more open to it, but I just feel like moving on from him would be better. I know you guys were talking about pre-show, someone like a DJ Chark in the market. Um, in terms of wide receivers, one prospect I really, really like a lot that should be there in like the fifth round. He's moving up a little bit, maybe the fourth round uh, if, if the Bears want to trade down and get a fourth round pick. Kyle Phillips from UCLA. You want to talk about a guy that like, because me personally, I feel like the Bears need to plan for, have a two-year plan. Not just like, hey, we're going to take over the division this year. We need to have a two-year plan of guys that are going to be four-pronged special teamers, guys that are going to come in and contribute in a way that is going to be beneficial two years from now. You know, getting a number one wide receiver for this year that won't be a number one wide receiver in two years to me doesn't seem like the way to go. So if you trade down, get a guy like Kyle Phillips, who's going to be your prototypical Hunter Renfro dog over the middle that, you know, isn't going to jump high, isn't going to run fast, isn't going to do anything crazy at the combine, but he's a ball player. So that's kind of the direction I'm going towards in the wide receivers, but I'll pass it off to you, Sam. Yeah, I I think you actually bring up a lot of really good points and looking at the wide receiver market. I mean, if I'm Alan Robinson, I'm practically licking my chops because there's going to be a team that's going to throw a lot of money his way solely because of how quickly the market dried up. I mean, we were talking about Chris Godwin, Michael Gallup, Devontae Adams, all those guys gone. Mike Williams gone. Like Alan Robinson is going to go and, and, and probably get paid maybe almost a little bit too much money by a team who's desperately in need of that wide receiver one presence. Um, and, and kind of talking about, you know, we, we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. One thing I'm looking for in the bears is they don't need to find like, a quote unquote true wide receiver one, but find somebody who can produce, find somebody who's been in an offense, a, a fringe wide receiver, three wide receiver, four, who can maybe take a larger role in an offense, but doesn't necessarily need to be quote unquote the guy. Um, you know, I'm not going to throw a bunch of names out there just because again, you know, it, I'm going to exhaust myself doing that. But uh, again, you're looking for guys who can produce that. That is my thought going into this and, and kind of talking about the second and third wave of guys at wide receiver in, in terms of the draft class, uh, you know, I know that the NFL combine isn't the most important thing with prospects, but it's a lot of guys with a lot of speed, uh, you know, it, obviously it's a 40 yard dash and it's nothing crazy, but I saw a lot of guys with a lot of speed and a lot of potential. Um, and, and I do think if the bears go wide receiver at 39, that there's some names there that I like. I also think that it's a wide receiver class with guys to keep an eye on in like the third, fourth, fifth rounds. I mean, you talk about bears drafting wide receivers later in the draft under Ryan pace. I mean, you find a guy like Darnell Mooney, Mooney has been great been productive, nothing fantastic, but solid. I love Mooney and I think he's a good player, but then you also look and you try to find guys like, uh, you know, Riley Ridley who, basically did nothing and can never find himself on the field. So while I always love kind of having the conversation of rookie wide receivers, because again, you just, you never know who's going to be the next Tyree kill. I don't know if there is anyone like that, but just using that as an example, I don't want to try to get sucked into that conversation and be like, okay, I can convince myself that like Darnell Mooney, 
couple rookie wide receivers and a fringe guy is going to be the future. So I I really like that point that you brought up Lucas and kind of like, this should not be more of a short-term plan uh, as I pass this off to Joe. For sure. I, you guys kind of hit on the main stuff I want to talk about. I'm glad you brought it up, Sam. I was going to, if you didn't, this wide receiver class is fast. And that's kind of what we learned from this combine. Um, They broke the record for most 40 times or the most sub four, four, 40 times. Um, in a class for for a wide receiver group, um, they had an incredible number when it was unofficial times, um, but that number dropped down obviously a bit when they got the corrected numbers. Um, overall, I'm very impressed with the potential of this group um, in terms of athletic ability, size, everything kind of put together. I, I kind of like what you guys are talking about in terms of once you get to that pick at 39, who really is worth it there, wide receiver, when you have a list of like seven dudes who all have the same sort of potential in a shaky ish floor. So totally okay with either, you know, like Lucas was saying, taking the top offensive interior offensive lineman there, or even just trading down and seeing who falls to you. Like there are about five guys I can make the case for taking at a, at a end of the second round pick at wide receiver that could all contribute year one and kind of tying that in again to the free agent wide receivers. You can kind of say the same thing. I mean, I think the bears are kind of approach this off season. Um, and signing a wide receiver, kind of like how the Panthers did when they signed Robbie Anderson. Wait till the kind of second wave comes by. Um, they end up getting Robbie Anderson in a very reasonable deal when he hit free agency for a two-year, $20 million. Um, That's kind of their wide receiver two slash three when they had Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore already. Um, I think the Bears are going to be in a very similar situation. I think they should go after a guy. You know, DJ Charles is a great example. Juju Smith-Schuster, if he gets the second wave. Um the list goes on, honestly, after that, of guys you can possibly get in the second wave that could be immediate impacts. Will Fuller, um, A.J. Green, Jacoby Myers, um, Emmanuel Sanders, possibly Christian Kirk. I don't see him going to the second wave, though. Um, regardless, I think you can kind of lean on Mooney to be your main number two, get a guy who's a wide receiver 1B, as we kind of talked about, not a main guy, and then draft the guy who has the potential to become a one um, with size, speed, a little bit of everything. Again, I'll, I'll say his name a million times. Christian Watson is that guy to me. Um, or, I mean, a guy like Jalen Tolbert, Sky Moore, um, any of those guys can develop into ones, even though, you know, Sky Moore is a little smaller, but regardless, there's a, there's a lot of potential in this class and in the free agency that you can really bring a ton of bodies in and just say, all right, guys, let's see what we got. It's going to be something to monitor because when you look at the bears resources this year, as we shift the discussion to free agency, it's very clear that this team And I understand the whole notion of, well, you can cut guys, you can create additional cap space, you can restructure contracts, kind of move money down the road to benefit the team in the future, in the present, but then hurt the team in the future. Unfortunately, what's happening is, I think this, guys, is that a lot of people are just super unrealistic with how the Bears should go about operating in free agency. I mean, you look at this and, you know, everyone kind of talks about, well, we can just cut these, these, and these guys. And I said this the last couple weeks, I'm going to say it again. If you don't have an upgrade for some of the guys you're going to cut, like a Cody White here, who can be serviceable starters in 2022, doesn't really make sense for you to move on from them. A veteran like a Danny Trevathan, completely different story. But anyways, the reason I bring that up is because the Bears – and Ryan Pohl specifically, this is kind of their first go around. They're going to have to figure out a way to operate in free agency. When you look at this team's resources, they're more cut out to operate in the second and third wave than they really are in the first wave, which I know it's going to suck because there's going to be a lot of news kind of. Well, first things first, let me say this. 
the first wave is pretty much over by the time the league year begins at 3 p.m. Central time on March 14th because teams and negotiate, you know, players can officially sign March 16th. But anyways, these players are in negotiation. These agents are going back and forth. Okay? It's just part of what happens at the NFL scouting combine. But the bigger thing is this, is that for Chicago, the news is going to be significantly slower. And I don't think we're going to get any big news until probably Thursday or Friday. It does bring up the question of how does Ryan Poles go about operating in free agency for a team that has so few resources and so many needs is also trying to figure out a way to build around Justin Fields. I think what you do is this. The only position you really should get aggressive for is offensive line, because that starting experience, like a Brian Allen or a Ryan Jensen, who I know Jensen's going to be receiving his third NFL contract. That is stuff that's way too valuable to pass up on. The Bears need, forget about experience for a second, what Chicago merely needs on this offensive line is a tone setter. And they need someone who's going to slide in and be able to play center ASAP because that's been one of the biggest weaknesses on this line the last couple of years. It's like Ryan Pace could never really hit on a center and the franchise in general has not been able to find a center since oil and Cruz left town about a decade ago at this point. You switch that over. I think my offensive line outlook kind of feeds into how Ryan Pohl should operate in free agency because you could have Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum at right guard and right tackle, respectively, with Jenkins shifting back to right tackle. Then you could have Cody White here play left guard and then figure out center as well as left tackle. I think ultimately when you look at wide receiver and defensive back, two positions that the Bears are certainly going to have to overhaul, I'm not worried about wide receiver. Well, I'm sorry, I should say I'm not really worried about cornerback because Matt Eberflus, he only had one first-round cornerback on the roster in Xavier Rhodes, and even that guy, it's not like the Colts went and drafted him. No, he was a 2013 first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. When you look at Eberflus's track record of developing DBs, yeah, it's pretty solid. So I do think these guys like Jalen Johnson, someone such as a Thomas Graham Jr., someone that I think the Bears are going to have to give a, a legitimate shot to start and develop. I'm more concerned about wide receiver because it's the position where even if you have enough, you never really have enough. And I think that Ryan Poles coming from this kind of Kansas city chiefs tree, that's something that he does, right? That's something that the chiefs have done. It's like they had Tyreek Hill, but then they decided, yeah, well, we're going to go out and sign Sammy Watkins. We're going to add to the position, bring in McCall Hardman. So it's just like figuring out a way to take a position and just keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. That's, I think, what the Bears are going to have to do here with the wide receiver position and free agency. So low risks, cheap deals, high upside. Those are the three words to live by. Yeah, and just to kind of build on that, I I do agree um, with a lot of what you're saying for sure. But I I think also in terms of wide receivers and and just this this second tier of free agency, I think kind of Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, that 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 plays into it, right? Maybe you would have been more aggressive, but there's not much room to to restructure here, right? Like the deals you can restructure are Eddie Goldman, which is he a part of long term plan? Um, you have Khalil Mack, uh, which I'm sure you can restructure him again if you'd like to to create a little more cap room. But I'm kind of tired of the Bears pushing all in and, and, and trying to go for it right now. Like they need a reset year for sure. And I think realistically with the amount of money that they're going to have on the salary cap next year, they're going to have a full draft. You can really gain some value, try to trade back a little bit in this draft um, and, and try to get, get some extra capital for next year. Cause you're going to be able to make a true push. And I entirely agree. You go ahead and you find 
and place value on offensive linemen that you know for a fact stay healthy and always perform at a high level because that is to me the most important thing in Justin Fields development it would be great to have a number one wide receiver like an Amari Cooper if he becomes released it would be great to have a Devontae Adams on this team right now for sure you need that at some point you need a bona fide stud at wide receiver to be a true Super Bowl contender but you also got to think like, we don't know how polls operates. We know we're very familiar with Ryan Pace and willing to trade up. We don't know if, if polls is going to be a trade up guy. We don't know if he's going to be a trade down guy. We don't know how aggressive he wants to be or what kind of um, equity he wants to invest in first round picks. If you think of it, how many first round picks uh, have the chiefs had that are, that are wide receivers? Not too many. They're, they're finding late guys late in the draft that fit their system. So offensive line is timeless and it's foolproof. You, you get good offensive linemen that are going to fit your scheme it's going to work out. You need to have a full year with Luke Getze and Ryan Poles evaluating what Luke Getze is doing and evaluating what Justin Fields is doing to truly find a wide receiver one that can complement your team, right? Tyree kills a wide receiver one, but he's much different than Debo Samuel, who's much different than Keenan Allen. We're talking all true wide receiver ones that play very different roles in their offense. So I think this needs to be kind of that reset learning year, especially at the wide receiver position, because that gets pricey quick and you don't want to make a bad investment at a position like that. And you find out two years later, he does not fit in your offense. Kind of like what the bears did with Allen Robinson possession receiver and a stretch the field offense didn't work out, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard too, because you're a new GM stepping into a situation where the current GM, the, the previous GM kind of moved a lot of things around and left you, you know, with, with scraps to work with. I mean, the bears have five draft picks currently and they have half, basically half the roster is all free agents. And there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. And even if they're not long-term answers at the end of the day, like you have to feel the 53 man roster in, in 2022. And for me, when I look at kind of the, the quote unquote, first wave of free agency, Ultimately, and I talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show, don't expect anything fantastic. I, I truly believe they're going to try to just fill spots, find depth, and it's going to be an evaluation year for a lot of players. I mean, I'm talking about kind of the, the two previous draft classes for Ryan Pace, how many of those guys are going to be around with Ryan Poles in 2023, right? I think there's going to be eyes on players like Cole Komet. Is he truly the tight end one? He's a guy that's been both praised and criticized by both me and plenty of other people. Um, you know, there's going to be other players that are going to be evaluated. Dave Montgomery, is he worthy of a contract extension? Are we even going to be talking in the realm of paying him a second deal? Um, that is going to be something else that I think the Bears have to kind of consider when approaching for agency this year is, okay, how many of these 2020, 2021 prospects outside of probably Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney are going to be around for the next couple of years and are going to be a part of this image. Otherwise, I expect them to just kind of fill spots, fill needs. Hopefully they will prioritize both the offensive line and the defensive line because when Ryan Pohl says he wants to build through the trenches, I absolutely rope in the defensive line with that as well. And, you know, again, this is hopefully going to be a team that can at least look competitive in 2022, but, but ultimately you're coming into a team with a lot of questions and a lot of holes and not a lot to work with. I think we're kind of on the same page there, Sam. Um, I don't expect a big first wave. Um, I would like to see, again, I'd like to see a guy like Brian Allen coming in that first wave, um, giving him a nice contract. Again, he's he's a younger guy. He's from the Chicagoland area. He's very solid. He's a Super Bowl winning center. 
for the Rams. So bring him in, give him a good deal. And I would like, again, a, a kind of bona fide left tackle, but that's kind of hard to come by. Lucas kind of brought up a great point. Availability is one of the best abilities you can have in the offensive line. And Taron Armstead is kind of the bona fide left tackle of this freezing market. And when was the last time that dude played 16 games? I think it was like five years ago. Um, so I wouldn't be exactly okay with giving him a bag. Again, he's a guy that I love. He's an amazing left tackle, but why give him a bag when he's only going to play 10 games a year? Like, again, if he's willing to take a little bit of pay cut, willing to go down a little bit, sure, why not? Um, but regardless, I think you kind of pay it, not pay, but give a good deal to a left tackle. Maybe somebody who gets cut, maybe somebody who's a second wave guy, maybe Eric Fisher makes it the second wave. Um, and then let Borman James compete for right tackle. Um, after that, pay Brian Allen. White hair at left guard, draft maybe a right guard or sign another guy that could just be a filler for a year or maybe bring back James Daniels. Um, regardless, I think offensive line is really how Poles needs to operate in free agency is kind of his major thing. I think, again, we talked about maybe a second wave wide receiver. I think basically that's going to apply for most of the position groups on his offense. I think maybe they might go after, say, a first wave guy, but give him a smaller deal. Uh, not Nothing crazy. Again, I don't see him splashing at all. But you guys kind of put it best. Why, why splash now when you're kind of playing for the future? Keep guys on short-term deals. Maybe like like basically trial years. I know you said kind of said that. Bring guys, bring cheap guys in who can as a tryout. Maybe see that they fit the system. Maybe see that they could be a long-term option. Then extend them next season. So again, you got to field the roster. Not a ton of cap space that to field kind of the multiple openings that we have. But there's a lot of things we can do to kind of operate this when it comes to cuts. Um, when it comes to camp cuts, just bringing people to compete. There's a lot of ways that polls can operate about this. I just think the best way to do is honestly just prioritize the second wave. Well, when look, I'm going to wrap this point up here because when you look at the second wave, there's kind of something to be said for all this. The second and third wave is that some of these guys that make it to the second and third wave, we also have to keep in mind are oftentimes tend to be, you know, veterans who are on the tail end of their careers and, for the Bears right now, if I were to pick a theme for the 2022 season, the easiest and obvious, the obvious answer for everybody would be, well, it's another year. Everything's going to revolve around Justin Fields. But I also think you have to take this into consideration. You have to take into consideration just the ability to kind of see what you have on this roster. And you guys alluded to it. I mean, most of this roster is not going to be here by the time 2024 comes around. It if I had to go through the roster right now and pick some of these players, I would say Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, Justin Fields, and Darnell Mooney are the only four that kind of are your true building blocks. I mean, 2024 rolls around. It's not that far off, by the way. Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson going to be gone. Cody White here's deal expires. I believe that Eddie Goldman runs through the 2024 season, but I think he's going to be on the chopping block either this offseason or next offseason. And so the point I'm making, I think necessarily is that there's going to be so much turnover and alluding to kind of what you guys talked about going back to it. Does it make sense for the bears? Cause they did this so much under pace and Nagy. And in one respect, it's hard to talk about this roster right now without talking about pace and Nagy, because it's like Poles and Eberflus are walking into a situation where there are a handful of building blocks and some players who can keep this team afloat. It's not a total rebuild. And I think, by the way, you know, Ryan Poles should technically be thankful to Ryan Pace because Ryan Pace made Poles' job easier by not having to find and 
spend extensive time over the next couple of years figuring out franchise quarterback. I think that when you look at all these general managers who kind of walked into these situations, Ryan Poles walked into a mess, but he also walked into a mess where the biggest question mark of all has kind of been answered. You know, not a lot of GMs can say, Hey, I have a quarterback on the roster as a first year GM selected by another general manager. That was pretty much a really high upside player or player and prospect, you know, compared to a guy like a Justin Fields. But switching it over here, guys, I mean, the Bears have extended free agents of their own. We've been breaking it down over the last couple of weeks. We discussed guys like Marquise Goodwin, Alec Ogletree. I think real quick here, when you look at these players like Jakeem Grant, Deshaun Gibson, Deion Bush, Damian Williams, Again, the one that had the most noticeable impact in 2021 was, without a doubt, Jakeem Grant. I would honestly bring him back just because he does bring that speed element to the offense. He does kind of go ahead and fit with what Justin Fields is looking to do, as well as just Justin Fields' play style. When you switch over to Sean Gibson, I think he's completely gone. He's not a player you bring back. The Bears need to quit investing in these aging players and aging vets. Deion Bush... Good special teams guy, but probably isn't going to be back because Matt Eberflus is going to want a thumper back there. Damian Williams was so serviceable. I think he's a wild card of a candidate to come back because when he did play, he was good enough just to kind of hold down a backup role. And then when you look at Williams and Poles' time together in Kansas City, I think that that's something that could factor into these evaluations about what the Bears should do with Damian Williams. Yeah, I agree to um I think I think it's going to be kind of unanimous Jakeem Grant should be back for sure. Um not only as a wide receiver that seemed to be playing some of that scat back type role or you know line up in the backfield and run wheel routes or whatever may have you. Um I also think just and it's as a punt returner like we saw how bad it got when there was no Tariq Cohen trying out all those different people, muff punts, people that were scared to like a being a punt returner is a true skill and it's a lot different than a kick returner. Um, you're, you're, you're subjecting yourself to some pretty, um, pretty hardcore hits out there. If you're, if you're not fair catching appropriately and, and stuff like that. So definitely think Jakeem Grant should be brought back. He's going to be one of those reasonable signings. Um, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of a raise, but you also traded a pick for him. Um, that pick was this year, I believe a six round pick, right? So if, if you traded for him, you might as well give him a little bit of a contract Damian Williams, I could see going either way. Um, I think Tariq Cohen's kind of factors into that. I also, you know, looking at this year's draft specifically, there are some pretty quality running backs and they're going to fall late. Um, just it's what always happens. So to me, it's like how good of a relationship does Damian Williams have with Ryan Poles? I did think he was very effective when he came in, but I thought Khalil Herbert was also more effective if in a different style back for sure. But I like Damian Williams as a third down back. He definitely has taken those responsibilities before. Um, but, you know, to me, that can go 50-50. It can go either way because are you going to really prioritize paying someone a vet minimum at running back when you could possibly go ahead and get yourself a vet minimum back backup right guard was something that's a much more pressing need um, than a running back, in my opinion. Looking at Deshaun Gibson, think he's actually been pretty solid. Um, I like the way he played the last two years. Last year specifically, I felt like there were some games where our defense maybe wasn't getting a lot of hustle points or as Matt Eberflus talking about loafs and all that stuff. And we're going to be on brand for the 2022 year. Um, but I did think he he showed something 
Um, and I think he's just a solid safety, but overall, he's not the compliment to Eddie Jackson that he needs. You are stuck on the hook with Eddie Jackson and his contract. We've seen Eddie Jackson play at remarkable heights. Um, so you got to find someone that can compliment him. I also think Iberfus is going to prioritize a banger at safety. I think there's going to be a couple really nice ones that fall to that 39th pick, like the kid from Georgia. Um, I believe it's Klein or Kine, um, that he comes downhill heavy. He can play in the slot. Really nice player. Some guy that – because that's what happens with safeties, right? They're always going to fall. doesn't matter. Unless you have that uh, Kyron Williams-type prospect, they're going to fall. Um, so you're going to be able to get a really good option there in the draft. Even look at like Adrian Amos in the fourth round. Deion Bush was a fifth rounder, um, which I feel bad for him. I don't think they're going to re-sign him, but – Every year, it seemed like he was going to get his due. They replaced him with the ha-ha Clinton Dix or Deshaun Gibson. So maybe that's a reflection of, of him as a player. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you, um, Usad, just because people are really attaching themselves to specific players. And I can understand a Roquan Smith or a Jalen Johnson or even a Cole Komet. But, I mean, looking at some of these older veteran signings that come in every year that Pace actually did a good job with on the D-line, or looking at some of these signings that are coming in, um, I think by 2023, the first game, you're going to see at least 50% of this roster turned over. And not necessarily the big names, but those guys that maybe fall into the background. Those, those uh, you know, Nick Williams is two years ago, but those types of guys, those Barkevious Mingo types and those, those second-tier players, those are all going to be replaced. And I expect a heavy influx of guys from um, that Kansas City tree, whether it's a Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle at wide receiver at a reasonable deal. And I also expect a ton of influx of people from the Colts in that defense because at the end of the day, you look at – when Rex Ryan went to the jet uh, to the jets right away, who did he grab? He grabbed Bart Starr. like Vic Fangio and John Fox go to the bears. They grab, um, they, they grab Danny Trevathan. Like you, you're going to have those guys that you want to instill your culture. And, and those, I think you're going to see a lot more of those signings. So our, our veteran minimum guys are going to be turned out heavy. Um, and also like when we're talking about waves of free agency and a one-year deal, don't forget a guy like Akeem Hicks, who played an incredible role in the Ryan pace, Matt Nagy bears, was brought in that way. So just because you're signing in the second we- wave, a second wave, doesn't mean you're not finding value. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pass it over to Sam now. I really like that you bring up that point of like Bears fans attaching themselves to players. I-, I had a great conversation with my brother about this last night. There's a difference in like in loving a player and loving your team. And, and I think something that Bears fans, and I definitely struggle with this too at times. I mean, I don't know if you've ever listened to this show, but Joe and I are huge fans of Jesper Horstead. He's our guy. He's our tight end one. But if the plan is to upgrade the tight end room so that Justin Fields can flourish and the offense can dominate and the Bears can actually finally have a consistent offense, I'm in favor of that over keeping Jesper Horstead. Now, hopefully Jesper Horstead is a part of that, but that's an entirely different conversation. The point I'm trying to get at is I think at times we get very connected to players and these, these role players who, who do a good job at stepping into roles. And, and when I look at this list, a lot of these guys kind of fall into these sort of kind of what you said, like almost second tier players. Like they fill, you know, obviously I know Tejon Gibson was a starting safety. I'm not saying like these guys aren't starters per se, but like special teams contributors or, or not the big names or, or whatever the case is. You know, when you think of the Chicago Bears, Dion Bush isn't the first name that comes to mind, I hope. Certainly not. In, in any situation, unless you're talking about 2021 safeties that 
played with the last name Bush or whatever it is. But the, the point I'm trying to get at is those are Ryan Pace's guys. This is Ryan Poles. Let him and let Matt Eberflus pick their guys for these, these kind of role-playing players in short-term roles or, or, or backups or contributors, you know, swing tackles and, and utility running backs and returners and all that stuff. Because if you really want the Bears to change and finally figure this out, you need to accept the fact that guys like this might not be back. Now, in terms of individual guys, I think Jakeem Grant has done enough to absolutely deserve a second contract. I, I mean, again, they did trade for him, whether Ryan Poles would have wanted to do that himself. You invested in him. Um, Damian Williams, I could absolutely see back just on like a camp deal. Again, there's never anything wrong with having too many running backs, um, especially because I know Dave Montgomery's had some injuries in the past. It, it, there's, and there's no guarantee what's going to happen with Tariq Cohen. And, and in terms of Deion Bush and, and Tajon Gibson, both serviceable players. I'm definitely more of an opinion of finding someone who can just play to the strengths of Eddie Jackson, who maybe is a draft pick. Again, you, you alluded to it perfectly. Good safeties always drop in the draft. Antoine Winfield will always be the one that got away. I've talked about him so much. I wanted the Bears to draft him. He was available when I wanted him. He was the one that got away. He was a huge part of that Buccaneers defense that won the Super Bowl good safeties will be there later in the draft. And, and again, I do definitely think Dion Bush feels like the kid that just never got his chance, but ultimately I'm not going to necessarily say whether I would want guys or don't want guys, but I just think at the end of the day, this, these are Ryan Pace's boys and and there's a new sheriff in town. It's Ryan Poles. Make a really good point about that, Sam. Cause I, I wanted to mention that if you didn't, um, these sadly, I like a lot of these guys too, and that's it's the unfortunate thing. And you talk about Jesper Horse said, I mean, he's our boy. Like these are these are Ryan Pace's guys. Like you even saw like Ryan Pace's meeting with Jesper Horse said, I believe it was him when he when he got added to the roster, and how how awesome it was, and how happy he was, and and unfortunately, Ryan Poles doesn't have that connection to these guys, and he doesn't have that soft spot in his heart, mate, possibly for these kind of guys. I mean. You kind, we guess we kind of allude to it, but these guys are unfortunately a dime a dozen. Like I love, like I, I love Jakeem Grant. Would say he's not a dime a dozen. Obviously, I want him back. I think he's the odd one out of this group. I think he's an all all pro caliber return man. Um, he's an easy, t- not easy, but easily could turn the game over on its head with an eighty yard touchdown, just on an easy reverse play, screenplay, anything like that. So I think you need to have that in your on your team, especially with the uncertainty around three Cohen. But the other three guys, those guys are guys that are a dime a dozen. Um, Deshaun Gibson, again, a solid safety. I would say he's a below average starter. He's a guy that's easily replaced, like you guys were saying, later rounds pretty easily. Um, especially when you have a guy like Eddie Jackson who's expected to take a step uh, step forward in, under this new defense. Deion Bush has been my boy, and I agree with both of you guys. Unfortunate how he has been like the odd one out every single year, and I always said every single year how he deserved a shot. Um, deserved a chance to compete. I, I love the way he play. I love the way I love how aggressive he is. Um, he's always been very solid every time he's played. He hasn't made a ton of mistakes. Um, just very clean player and a good special teamer. And Damian Williams, I would like to bring him back. Um, Sam Sam alluded it well too. Um, uncertainty around Tariq Cohen. You can't have enough good running backs. Um, he can kind of fill the role of any running back that gets hurt. He's not going to bring you the explosive kind of receiver that Tariq Cohen is, but he is a good receiving back that can run routes out of the slot, 
can run routes out of the backfield, catch passes, and has very good hands. Um, we saw it a few times in the season, actually. And he can also replace Dave Montgomery's between the between the tackles, running back. Um, and can also pass block pretty well, too. So I think he's the guy you want to bring back. Again, if he gets a decent contract elsewhere, let him go. I just signed somebody out of veteran minimum deal to kind of be that all-around back that can do that. But overall, again, it, you guys said it very well. It's unfortunate that we get attached to these guys that are, you know, these, these, these grinders, these hard workers that we enjoy. But now, like you said, Sam is new sheriff of town and these guys, he doesn't have a soft spot for these guys. He's going to bring his guys in. What about guys like Bilal Nichols? Because Bilal Nichols, the Bears first things first, we have to realize that going back to his Delaware days, that he essentially was a defensive tackle in a 4-3 scheme. And if you look at Bilal Nichols too, I mean, he's just built like a defensive tackle. I know 2018, he really burst onto the scene. 19, kind of injured his hand. 2020, 20, and 2021, you know, average mediocre years for him but when you look at the bears i mean they're trying to figure out this three technique position and it does lead to this really important question of should the bears even consider reinvesting in Bilal nichols because when we talk about the two big free agents in this class we know that outside of Allen robinson james daniels is as good as gone he's probably going to get eight to ten million somewhere when i look at Bilal nichols i would say that bringing him back as a run stuffer and making him play defensive tackle in this four three scheme shouldn't necessarily be off the table i mean and nichols isn't just the first example the bears did it with trevis gibson too it's like they draft a the guy who's a four three defensive end and then they make him into a three four outside linebacker sam kamara is another one he played in a four three Mary's an undrafted free agent, but anyways, the point is that he played in a 4-3 at Stony Brook as a defensive end, and the Bears went ahead and tried to make this guy an outside linebacker. It just does not work that way. Bilal Nichols, though, sometimes is the exception. Now, I would say Nichols is 50-50 because what price tag do you bring him back at? Do you look at a contract like a Roy Robertson-Harris, something that he got from Jacksonville last year where I believe it was just like $14 million guaranteed, had about, I think it was like a three-year deal worth yeah, $28.5 million with the cap hits being relatively low until years two and three. Do you look at something in that ballpark where it's like a three-year $15 million deal with like whatever, five or six million guaranteed? But yeah, Bilal Nichols, I think that for the sole sake of scheme fit and just knowing that the Bears can't really invest in defensive line, Unless you go ahead and you sign someone like Nichols to a really cheap deal, I would say that the Bears should look at bringing him back. Yeah, I'm actually an enormous Bilal Nichols and Eddie Goldman fan. I played defensive line, so I have an affinity for defensive linemen. Um, and I do think Nichols is a much more seamless fit in an Eberflus defense, one gap technique. He's He's got experience with it. Um, so I think he's a, a much better fit than someone like an Eddie Goldman. But I think the number really does matter a ton here, right? Um I don't think he should warrant what Roy Rob got because strictly because Roy Rob was a little bit better at um, getting at the quarterback. And that always is going to pay place more of a premium on a, on a player, uh, especially interior defensive lineman. Everyone likes the the pocket collapsing from the interior opposed to the outside edges. Now um, just seems to be kind of the thing. Aaron Donald made it the new norm, or at least made it the new to desirable um, position, have someone, come off the edge to push the pocket up and then have someone come and destroy the pocket from the inside. Um, it works out for some players. Not everyone gets an Aaron Donald. For me, Bilal Nichols is like, 
it, it really 100% depends on the number because it, not only have we seen Bilal Nichols play in a 4-3 um, in college, we've also seen him play up and down the line in a 3-4. So we've seen him play multiple different techniques. He's been effective at it. I do think he's a solid player, but is there going to be a disconnect between what the Chicago Bears new regime values Bilal Nichols at versus what Bilal Nichols should be worth and what he can get paid on the open market. I, I don't know. It, so I, I don't know. I haven't gotten much clarity on it, but is the transition tag outlawed now or is that no longer a thing? Cause I remember you were allowed to do a franchise tag and a transition tag and the new CBA came in. And I believe, I don't know if the transition tag got taken out or if you're able to use one or the other, but I would be really interested in using that tag on someone like a Nichols just to see what the market demands, letting him go out and see exactly what type of deal he's going to get. And maybe he'll come back to the bears and say, you know, but they don't have that relationship. If it's Ryan Pace, maybe he would come back and say, Hey, can you match this? Maybe he wants out. We don't know. You know what I mean? So we don't know what's going on in Bilal Nichols camp, but that transition tag, I would definitely consider using on James Daniels. Cause right now, at least amongst bears fans, um, it seems like we're we're telling ourselves we have to pick either or whether it's going to be extending James Daniels or extending Bilal Nichols, where I think it could go either way. I think we can extend both of them. I think we could extend neither of them. You know, it just really depends on how they're going to operate. And we don't know. We're not we're going to find out a lot more in a week. We just don't know the strategy, um, Sam, but I'm going to leave it off to you. Yeah, it, it feels like one of those moments where you want to like go and get fast food and you don't have the money for it, but like you really want it. That kind of is how I compare the situation. Like I, I would love to see Bilal Nichols in a Bears uniform in 2022. I, I, I do think he's been a solid contributor, a, a good late route. Not, I don't think he was a fourth round pick. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Day three guy, regardless. Um, and, and just plays the position well, knows the different schemes. And, and if we're talking about continuity and consistency sake, I mean, yes, I want to definitely see some new names on both the offense and defense, but it would be nice to have presences, you know, a presence, excuse me, like Bilal Nichols, especially since it seems like Akeem Hicks isn't going to be back. The future of Eddie Goldman is unknown. And there's obviously a lot of question marks overall with the Bears defensive line. Um, but again, I, I think I agree with you on it. What is his market value and what is he looking for? Because again, ultimately, uh, do, are you willing to shell that much money out to Bilal Nichols? when you know you don't have a ton of cap space to work with, obviously I know the bears have money to work with in 2022, but you have so many roster needs, so many question marks, so many positions you need to fill. And ultimately I'm hoping the bears address offense more than defense, because I truly think Matt Eberflus can get the most out of his defense. And obviously I'm hoping he doesn't, I know he says he's not going to be controlling of the defense, but when I look at those Indianapolis Colts defenses, they got a lot, of stuff out of pretty much nothing at times. So it, it definitely feels like one of those situations where like, I would love to see him back, but, but again, it, to reiterate the point, what is, what is the price tag? What is, how much are we, how much money does he want and how much are the bears willing to pay him? You guys kind of hit on everything I want to talk about. I mean, I think at the right price, he's definitely worth bringing back. I, I think the priority needs to be, Getting a guy that can develop into that kind of main stud as a as a four three defensive tackle, you need an absolute wrecker. And I don't think Bilal Nichols is that. I think he'd be the solid defensive tackle too, uh, the second guy in there. But I don't know. I mean, again, it depends on the price tag. I, I think you need to you don't need to prioritize bringing one of those absolute monsters. But if you get two solid defensive tackles in there, I think you're fine. 
Um, Nichols could be one of those dudes. Um, again, it's, it's kind of hard to gauge what to do with him because uh, he just doesn't have that. Like you guys were saying, he doesn't have a relationship with Ryan Poles um, as he did with Ryan Pace. And you don't know how, how Matt Eberflus will view him in terms of their system. I think he'd be a good fit, like you were saying, Lucas. I think he's a very solid fit to be one of those guys, but I think you really need to see where, where it goes in the draft. Um, free agency and all that stuff. Again, I don't. Again, I don't know the transition tag either. I don't know if that's a thing or not. But I would definitely be okay with that with him. Well, and if I could interject for one second, you got to think too. Just in line, like in terms of building your team and levels of the defense, like you already have your cap hit between your two defensive ends at this point is going to be damn near sixty million dollars. Like, are you really going to throw another five million on that defensive line? Um, so that's just another kind of point to uh, to reconsider. Let's get away from the Bears here for just a second, but not too far away. The boogeyman in Green Bay is officially back. He supposedly signed a new deal with the contract terms being reported at like $50 million a year over a four-year period. Comes out to about $153 million guaranteed and $200 million overall. But we also learned that... Those terms are not accurate per Aaron Rodgers. We'll certainly have to see. We know Devontae Adams again in the franchise tag. How about Russell Wilson kind of ending up in Denver fully? Seattle releasing Bobby Wagner too. I mean, guys, Aaron Rodgers, and this is where I'm going to start here because him coming back, and I tweeted this today, by the way, I'm just tired of a lot of people hoping the Packers start to suck again and that the Bears all of a sudden get good. I think what has to happen is this, is that over the next couple of years, you have to look at seriously, what is the passing of the torch? Ryan Poles to go ahead and say, we're going to take the NFC North and never give it back. I'm going to hold them to a higher standard. I'm going to say, hey, listen, you actually have to show it to you. Can't be all talk, no show. You got to be a bit of talk and completely all show. Ultimately, I'm done with this whole notion of let's wait for Green Bay to be bad. Like I mentioned a second ago, it's time for the Bears to kind of go ahead and take the NFC North back and kind of take the torch from Aaron Rodgers and really just reclaim it and get back to dominating this division like the Bears kind of once did a couple decades ago. When you look at Russell Wilson, I'm happy he's out of Seattle. I know the Bears last year at this time were in on him. I have the tweet bookmarked somewhere, but Andy Dalton signed with the Bears because the Bears were out on Russell Wilson. Now, what this essentially does is this is this, I think, guys, blows the NFC wide open because how many good quarterbacks are Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers? Okay, cool. Beyond that, though, there's not really any dominant quarterbacks compared to the AFC where you have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, a Justin Herbert. I throw Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow in there. So on paper, the future of the league is invested in the AFC because of all these bright young quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, ultimately, when you look at it, I think that Russell being out of the NFC specifically because that's where Seattle wanted to trade him essentially opens the door for kind of the bears to just get back to being more competitive because they can certainly take the torture Aaron Rodgers here. Yeah. I've always been a proponent in keeping Rodgers there. Um, I hate the idea of like bears fans tucking their tail behind their legs and, and being like, Oh yes, Aaron Rodgers is gone. The North is ours now. I mean, you still got to worry about what they're doing in Minnesota. You still got to worry about what they're doing in Detroit. The only thing you should be focused on is the Chicago bears. Um, yeah, it would be a lot easier. And I think it would have forced the Chicago bears to be a bit more aggressive this off season. 
because the North would be up for the taking. Right. But now that Aaron Rodgers is back in play, it's like, I think you just need to, like I said, two year plan, because when you really look at the amount of cap space, there's going to be next year and having a full draft, like you can very easily pull a bango bangles and become a super bowl contender. You'd have to do the opposite where you drafted a lot of offensive players and you um, and you you paid defensive players. I think you're going to have to pay a lot more offensive players. We need proven talent on that side of the ball. As Chicago Bears fans, we cannot take any more gambles. No more Kevin White's. No more uh, Adam Shaheen's. Like, no more of these players that are gambles. You need to get proven starters that have contributed and stayed healthy on that side of the ball, um, specifically the offensive line. You need to pay those players. So, to me, I think that kind of just gives the Bears a little bit more leeway to have that reset year and give them a little bit more room because you know the, the Packers are going to be there. You know they are. They are clearly all in, and it's going to have – now, here's here's the thing. like We don't know if Aaron Rodgers disputing this contract, how accurate it is. I don't think if we're looking at history, he's not taking a team-friendly deal. Maybe he changes his mind. Maybe he has a change of heart. But my guess is this is more of um, – um, more of like a, a immunized situation. Like, Oh, I didn't get 50 million a year. I got 48 million a year, like just a little bit misleading. I think he's still resetting the market at the quarterback position, if not matching Patrick Mahomes at 45 a year. So um, I think it's going to have rippling effects on them in the future. When it comes to Russ, <clears throat> he's a great quarterback, but he's always been to me like that. Almost all pro quarterback, right? There's always been someone ahead of him. And Russell Wilson is going to be a pro bowler, but I think the biggest thing about, I mean, cause Seattle hasn't been much of a factor and looking at it in hindsight, would you rather have given up that one first round pick? And what was it? A fourth round pick to move up and grab Justin Fields or, or the two first round picks, uh, one being a swap, or would you rather have given up two twos, two ones, um, a five, and then what it looks like they have three legitimate contributors. So maybe a Jalen Johnson, um, or, you know, a Khalil Mack combination with, with Darnell Mooney. Like, would you be willing to give all of that up for Russell Wilson? I don't think he's at that point in his career, and he's never really showed us after his rookie contract and after some of these big numbers came in for him, he's never showed us to be that constant um, MVP-type candidate or that constant, hey, I'm taking my team and making them a Super Bowl contender. They've always been pretty good. They've always been above 500 and it kind of bottomed out this year. But in hindsight, I'm so thankful that the Bears did not trade for Russell Wilson. And I'm a huge, huge, huge dangerous guy. Like I, I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson. I think they're going to do great things in Denver. I actually think both teams benefited. Um, but overall, I, I just, I don't think it should have much of a, an effect on us, you know, in terms of what Seattle did and what, what Green Bay did everyone's got, you got to worry about Chicago. You've got to build the core of this roster and really be set on, Hey, this is our three-year plan. This is, we plan on being in the Super Bowl in three years. We plan on taking this North and never giving it back, holding Ryan Bulls to that standard. Sam, go ahead, man. I'm going to keep my point a little bit briefer here. Um, but uh, number one, I think Aaron Rodgers is such a diva and I'm sick and tired of talking to him. So I'm not going to even address that bring it on. That's what I say. Um, I'm hoping Justin Fields can take that next step. Uh, and I can't wait to see the Packers in absolute cap space uh, help in the next couple of years, but um, good for them to be able to bring him back, I guess. Hopefully they can actually maybe win a playoff game. Uh, in all seriousness, though, the, the Russell Wilson news, it, it, it kind of almost swept under the rug for me. Like I, I thought it was fake for a second. And 
for Denver, it, it definitely addresses the question of we've been so close and we finally have consistency at quarterback. But for me, it, the only reason why the Bears should should have any kind of like reaction to this as Bears fans is just because the Bears were in contention to get him last year. There was a conversation. And ultimately, when I look at it long term, I'm very happy with Justin Fields as my quarterback. And I'm very excited to see what he can become. Would Russell Wilson in Chicago have been fun? Absolutely. I'm not saying it would have won us more games. I mean, again, I don't think he's the the solution to kind of what was going on in Chicago in you know the years of 2019 to 2021. But it would have been fun. I, I can't deny that. But but ultimately, you know, the AFC is going to be a loaded conference, um, and the Bears have a lot of things that they need to focus on again. It, it's one of those things where the bears aren't going to have headlines like that this offseason, And I'm okay with that work under the radar, slowly start to build your team and, and let's see if we can actually really take the North, you know, kind of to what you alluded to Lucas, let's, let's hold Ryan pace accountable. Let's not get content with kind of all these interviews and press conferences. And, and you know, I had a conversation recently um, for my capstone project. I was talking to somebody for it. Uh, and, and again, they kind of alluded to this whole idea of like, it's okay to be hopeful and excited, but like, we shouldn't overlook things. I mean, this is a, we've done this cycle before we've done it a few times recently in the past couple of decades. So for kind of the news in terms of the NFL, all I'm going to say is it's going to be fun to see guys like Russell Wilson in Denver for sure. And the bears could have had him potentially who knows what would have happened there, but I'm happy with Justin Fields. Let's focus on building a long-term plan here and, and let's hope that he can be one of those guys that's in that top quarterback conversation because I think the sky's the limit. I think he can get there, but we need to build around him a little bit so that that potential can be reached. To kind of start with Aaron Rodgers, you alluded to it, Sam. They're kind of screwed now for the future. Like Again, I don't know. A lot of people are upset that Rodgers is back. Oh, the Bears can't win the division. Did we really plan on... Everyone talks about the future is the main focus for this offseason. We want to build the foundation. We want to get ready for the future. So who cares? We didn't plan on winning the division anyway. So extending Rodgers, putting them, putting money farther down the line with a bunch of players, all they're doing is making it easier for the Bears down the line to take the division. So I don't know why it's so upsetting to some people. Like... Again, yeah, sure, it would be great to you know contend immediately, get Rodgers out of there, see how bad Jordan Love is. Yeah, sure, that's great. But how about now, three years online, when Fields is fully developed, you have a foundation, a solid offensive line, great wide receivers for him, the Packers are in shambles, the Vikings don't have a quarterback, and the Lions are still the Lions. The division is the Bears. The, the NFC is then, at that point, theirs for the taking. They will become kings of the North. And... I think another good point, I saw Adam Rosen. I don't know if anybody here follows him on Twitter. He's a he's a pretty great guy. He's very, very awesome. He's very good Bears content. He had a tweet because Peter, you know, Mr. Mr. Bears fan, Peter Bukowski, um, talked about the Bears as usual. And he replied talking about how this is what the Bears need. They need to grow up. They need to beat these good teams. So let Justin Fields keep facing these good teams. That just helps us. Like, thank you. And again, beat the Packers at their best. Beat them when they have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and they're making their, you know, their quote-unquote last dance of trying to win a Super Bowl for the first time as a collective team. Um, regardless, this is fine. Like, I don't, again, not a big deal, but rolling it back to Russell Wilson, I, I couldn't believe that trade. I, like you said, Sam, I thought it was a joke. I thought, 
somebody found one of those like, you know, burner accounts that was a fake, you know, Adam Schefter account and everybody started retweeting it like crazy and it just blew up. Um, the thing you have to think about too is when the Bears were trying to trade for Russell Wilson, that was a year ago. So they probably would have been giving up even more. They probably would give up another first round pick plus, you know, extra players. And after Russ kind of had a, you know, not an exactly horrible season, but definitely a down season, looked like he was on a decline, probably lowered his value a bit. And the Broncos pounced on it. And I, that, that seems to be scary. And I'm really excited to see how the AFC all kind of turns out with how absolutely loaded. Like you guys had mentioned, these quarterbacks are in the AFC, even just their division alone. I mean, you have Mahomes, Justin Herbert, um, Russell Wilson, and I mean, Derek Carr, who again, people are going to talk about how bad he is that he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL and he's going to seem like a bad quarterback in the division. That just blows my mind. So overall, that's going to absolutely just shake up the AFC. Um, ton of teams to compete. There's going to be a lot of good, there's going to be a few good teams that do not make the playoffs in the AFC just because of how loaded it is now with these quarterbacks and these teams. And now for the future, the NFC is Justin Fields for the taking. I mean, you're the only the only two absolute like bona fide stud quarterbacks in the NFC are two older guys in Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. So in a few years, Justin Fields is be the owner of the NFC, and it's going to be beautiful. Well, you have to talk about a standard too. I mean, for so many years, the Bears necessarily. And we hear this all the time because Ryan Pace kind of talked about it too in terms of, well, there's going to be a standard that's going to be set. We're going to be a championship team, but you can't get to the championship unless you beat your rivals first. So for the Bears, they have to look at the next four years with Aaron Rodgers coming back. The next few years, I should really say, is this. It's just the fact that how do you go about setting a standard and what really is the standard? This is, is the standard to go ahead and to start by winning the division? Yeah making the playoffs, winning the division, and being able to beat the Green Bay Packers. That's, I think, what it comes down to. The Bears necessarily haven't had that over the last couple of years. And so ultimately what it essentially has really done is just kind of made this franchise a revolving door again and again and again. And let me drop some tidbits for you guys here that I can talk about now that these trades have officially happened. Let's talk Denver first, guys. Full disclosure, George Payton, the general manager, was a high-ranking official in the Minnesota Vikings front office for so many years. Peyton wanted Aaron Rodgers last offseason. And let's take a timeline at how things progress. Peyton wanted Aaron Rodgers last offseason, tried to make a push. That's why they passed on Justin Fields at ninth overall for Patrick Sertain. And essentially what happened is this, is that this offseason, the thought of Aaron Rodgers being traded was always on the table. What happened is this, is that Peyton went out and hired Nathaniel Hackett as well as the Packers tight end coach, Justin Autumn, I believe is his name, who's now Denver's offensive coordinator. So there's a reason that Denver was really after Aaron Rodgers and they hired his offensive coordinator as head coach to really be able to make it happen. In terms of Russell Wilson, I thought this was a plan B and I'm not going to sit here and discredit Russell Wilson because let's be honest about something. I think Russell Wilson's best football is still ahead of him. When you look at Russell Wilson, I mean, he's been done dirtier than by the Seahawks than Aaron Rodgers was by the Packers. I mean, at least when you look at Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, he had these guys in the earlier parts of his career, like a Jermichael Finley, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, even Russ really has never had top tier elite weapons until I guess DK Metcalf came around and they always kind of had to rely on the defense to carry them, especially in the earlier parts of the year. So, 
Yeah, I'm so happy for Russ because I think that the Broncos are now going to be the one team that despite the fact that it's a loaded division, they could make some serious noise. Last point here before we get out of here. You know, if you haven't listened to Sam's Capstone Project, it's all over the place, especially on the podcast apps. Go check it out. He speaks to a lot of members of the Bears media as well as some bloodlines of former Bears players about what's gone wrong with the Bears since 1985. We're going to steal a point from Sam's project. And, you know, when it comes to the Bears fan base, let's be real. We always talk about not living in the past, but this fan base is still stuck and mired in 1985, even though most of this fan base never even saw the 85 Bears because they weren't around for it. I don't think anyone on this call was. Certainly no one on this call was, but it brings up an intriguing question, guys. If you could go back and look at the last four decades and change one decision this franchise has made, what exactly would it be? Now, I'm going to start here. I think for me, it would be just going ahead and changing the firing of Lovey Smith and then the decision that followed, which would be hiring... Mark Trustman over Bruce Arians. And the reason I say that is because Bruce Arians may be a bit of a nut job, but let's be real. The guy holds his players to a high standard. He's pretty much a tell you how it is type of person. I don't understand why the Bears went ahead and hired a CFL guru. And I will say this, going back to Lovey Smith days, the only silver lining in the Mark Trustman era kind of was the fact that during the Lovey Smith days, the Bears always put out respectable teams, but the Mark Trustman years kind of opened our eyes to this team is not as good as we think it really is, and that there's going to be a lot that needs to go ahead and change. And so ultimately, when you look at it, I would say the hiring of Arians I'm sorry, the hiring of Trestman over Arians is the decision I would change because that also kind of led to John Fox being hired, which led to Ryan Pace getting hired, which then led to pretty much Matt Nagy being hired and Mitch Trubisky being taken at number two overall and then Mitch Trubisky not working out and now Justin Fields, which could honestly be the biggest decision in Bears franchise history, courtesy of Mr. Ryan Pace, but go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, so I think the the Trestman conversation is really funny because Brandon Marshall, and I think he had a, a, a tiny point. They didn't get along while they were in Chicago together, but they became friends after. And Brandon Marshall said on his show that he does with like Chad Ochocinco and all those guys that Tristan was just ahead of his time. And if you really look at the concepts he was implementing, like the league started trending more towards that. Now I'm not going to say he was a good coach. He was not a leader of men. You could be a good play caller. We've seen many times you could be a good play caller and be a terrible head coach. Um, but I always thought I just wanted to bring that up because because you, you brought that up. And I think even I'm stuck between two and one of my decisions piggybacks off yours. And I think that is the extension of Jay Cutler. Um, the original trade, totally understand. I get it. It was, you know, at the time seemed like a perfect fit. Even I was pumped up for it and became not the biggest Jay Cutler guy, but I think extending him is what really kind of killed that era of the Chicago Bears and sticking yourself with that contract for the, what was it, like a seven-year extension or something ridiculous and four years were fully guaranteed um, when you already knew he was kind of on his way out. I thought at that point, you rip the Band-Aid off, you cut the fat, and you move on and you figure out where you're going to go from there. I think that's what ultimately led us into that tailspin of having one of the worst rosters ever inherited by Ryan Pace. And that's something that, you know, in Chicago Bears history, that's something that really can't be disputed. Um, also, another one, not very popular, but probably would have been the best move for the franchise for the last 20 years. And that's selecting Aaron Rodgers over Cedric Benson. He was there for the taking. 
We decided Rex Grossman, we drafted him in the first round pick should have used the uh, Steve, whatever his name is from, or I'm trying to think of the, the owner GM from Arizona, cut the fat right away. A year or two later, you drafted a quarterbacks not working out. You have a, uh, a guy that should have been number one dropping to number four. Um, and the slide was ridiculous. We all know we've seen the pictures of him. Um, I don't love Aaron Rodgers. I dislike him as a person, but the Chicago bears with Aaron Rodgers through that 2006 defensive spurt i think there's no doubt they at least have one super bowl yeah you guys kind of hit two of the biggest ones i want to talk about but i I have another one anyway um especially especially the bruce arians i mean trust him again we look at it now it was a horrible hire there's no there's no way to work work around it like bruce arians is arguably one of the best coaches in the in the nfl right now you could argue he's top top five top three even possibly um, he knows how to build a staff. He knows how to find good players. Players want to play for him. Um, he, he gets players to come back on cheap deals. And a bad example as now he's left, but Antonio Brown came back on a super cheap deal to come play for him and Tom Brady. He brought in Tom Brady. I mean, the guys obviously can bring in literally anybody to his team. Um, the one I'll say, I, this could be controversial. Um, I, again, you guys kind of talked about the main ones, but honestly, the hiring of Matt Nagy, um, the Bears were set to kind of make playoff runs to be a franchise. They, they had all the pieces in place. They had an elite defense. They had, they had a solid offensive line coming into the 2018 season. Again, Charles Leno, Bobby Massey, a lot of hate, but they were very above average starting tackles in the NFL. James Daniels was now a rookie and had a lot of promise. Cody Whitehair was at the top of his career. They had a good overall line. They, they, they were a good team. They had Jordan Howard, who was very solid, too, at the time and had just come off a 1,000-yard season. And they had a young quarterback in Mr. Trubisky. They just needed to find a coach that could put all these pieces together that could make this into a playoff-contending team for the future. And then they made the big trade for Columbac. They literally had everything coming into place for 2018 to you know, be a franchise to build build towards the future and to, to be an amazing team down the line. And again, Trubisky obviously... As we see it now, he was not a he's not a top five quarterback talent, but he definitely is a guy that could be a consistent top fifteen quarterback in the NFL under good coaching with a good team around him. A guy like how Ryan Tannehill plays now for the Titans, they are consistent winners. Tannehill doesn't do anything to wow you. He makes some crazy good throws, some accurate throws. You're like, oh wow, I can't believe he did that. But overall, he doesn't have to do a whole lot because the rest of the team around him is amazing. Now, if you bring in the right head coach again, easier said than done to find the head coach. I think Ryan Pace stays here. He's the GM for the long term. You have a head coach that possibly is a guy that's building for the future and is still here. And the Bears could have been a playoff team 2018, 2019, 2020. A lot of things could have changed down the line. I I think that, you know, people talk about Tressman, how horrible the head coach he was. I think Nagy arguably is worse than Tressman was. He Nagy had everything in place to be a Super Bowl winning team, and he threw it all away. Like Shanahan. And the 49ers have arguably a very similar roster build to what the Bears have now, or what the Bears had in 2018 and 2019. And the difference was 49ers made a Super Bowl. They've made playoff runs. They've won games. I think that he is honestly arguably worse than Trestman. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. That could have changed the entire future of the Bears right there alone. It's, uh, it's hard for me to add another unique one because you guys kind of said all the ones that I would have said. 
I also spent over a month asking this question to a lot of people. Um, the I was looking back at the responses a little bit. The majority of responses were drafting Mr. Trubisky. Um, and if I could change one thing in that regard, even if it wasn't changing the pick, I just wouldn't have traded up for him. Because I think a lot of the Mitch Trubisky conversation is, well, the Bears traded up and they got rid of all these picks. I always wondered if the Bears had just took, taken him at three, would it have been the similar conversation? Because, yes, he probably wasn't the right pick. Yes, you know, ultimately, he's not a starter in the league right now. Um, he's certainly not with the Chicago Bears. But does do the Bears get as much flack if he's just taken third overall? Now, you guys brought up a lot of really good ones. Again, I spent multiple weeks asking a lot of people this question. I don't have any other unique uh, ones. If you guys want to hear um, some people within Bears media talking about this, both pod, uh, both parts of my audio portion of this project are up on uh, all platforms for Fireside Bears. Go check them out. Got a lot of really cool, unique responses. But yeah, it's really hard to kind of, you know, add anything to it. But what I will say is it's fun to play hypothetical and just be like, man, like what if, if the Bears had hired this guy instead of this guy? Or, or what if, if they had drafted this guy over this guy? Just like the butterfly effect of what would have happened with Lee. Like what happens if the Bears win the 06 07 Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts? Like, are we still having the same kind of conversations we're having with the Bears? And and what is the repercussions of that? Um, so um glad we brought this question up because I think it's a it's a fun one. I honestly, and before we get out of this thing, because when we do an hour and a half show every once in a while, is just the fact that I want to go back to something that Joe said a moment ago, which is just talking about there's been so much debate about Kyle Shanahan versus Matt Nagy. If you watch football, you have to understand that Kyle Shanahan, I understand he's going into his fifth or sixth year in San Francisco. Matt Nagy only lasted four years in Chicago. But I think from the get-go, Kyle was just so much better of a coach than Matt Nagy was because I remember that 2017 season. like The 49ers weren't winning, but they were competitive. And at least Kyle figured out the quarterback position. They're just a well-coached team in general. Like If the Bears were with the roster that Chicago has, if they were coached by a guy like Kyle Shannon, they would be a consistent playoff team year in and year out. I know a lot of people are going to look at the win-loss record, but hey, guess what? John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, they've done such a phenomenal job building that team in terms of just being smart with who to identify in the draft, how to go about getting that late round value, you know, when to trade up, when to trade down. I understand that that first draft class wasn't exactly the best, but over the years, they have gone ahead and just really been able to stack that roster with talent. And guess what? You need talent in the NFL to win. That's no secret. But at the end of the day, sometimes really good coaching can just be the biggest difference maker between a team winning and making the playoffs and a team losing and missing out on the playoffs. But anyways, guys, that's going to do it from us. Make sure you're following Lucas on Twitter at LucasPerfetti46. Make sure you're following Sam, Joe, and myself on Twitter at ChaiSportsSam, at NFL and at Usain Koshal. Make sure you check out Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Lucas, thanks so much for being on the show. We're definitely going to have to do it again. You're now a friend of the show, as I like to tell all our guests. You're welcome on at any time down the road. But anyways, guys, good morning, good afternoon afternoon and good evening wherever you may be we'll see you guys next week but bear down and stay safe ladies and gentlemen bear down bear down